welcome to my shitty podcast. So shitty, it only has one T, but you guys already knew that. Man, thanks for uh, subscribing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Uh, I also want to thank my guest, Tiana, for coming on and talking talking to us about um, hypnosis. You're getting sleepy. Um, Find out how inaccurate that is. Um, Yeah, man, this is a great episode. I had fun, uh, learned a lot, and uh, I hope you do too. So um, if you guys enjoy the show, make sure to tell a friend. Uh, That goes a long way. Um, Maybe more so than an iTunes review, which also goes a long way as well. Anyways, I'll shut up uh, so we can get into the show. Without further ado, let's let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. Fine. And then as soon as I go and I need my hypno voice, you know, <laughs> then it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the same way. <clears throat> Whenever I need a clear voice or I need to be on, uh-huh. it never happens. Yeah. Suddenly there's this weird itch or frog or something yeah. there. <laughs> oh, man. Excellent. Uh, we can get started if you're ready. Okay. You want to get going? All right, let's do it. Okay. Um, let's start with, uh, why don't you introduce yourself um, and tell us what you do for a living. Okay, I'm Tiana Roser, and I am a certified clinical hypnotist and a Reiki master. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, for anybody that doesn't, I'm sure a lot of people know what hypnotist entails uh what about a reiki master isn't that like a japanese was it a japanese shaman that uh or a medicine man i don't know much about it i <laughs> as soon as you were like sure i'll do the podcast i ran to the library again <laughs> it's turning out to be like my research center for all my podcast guests uh so i went and grabbed like a hypnosis book and started like thumbing through it and um various other topics just to kind of like grasp uh, what we would be going over. So anyways, if you would, yeah, speak to um, what a Reiki master entails. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a shaman, just <laughs> as an energy healer. And okay. so uh, being a Reiki master means that I channel energy through my hands um, to help heal people. Cool. That's awesome. Um, can you maybe talk about hypnotism? What, what a day in your office looks like? like what, what did, uh, did you work yesterday? Yes. Um, what did yesterday entail? Okay. Um, a past life regression. Uh-huh. So I do a lot of past life regression, which is a type of hypnosis bringing people into a past life. Mm-hmm. And we explore different scenes of that past life. And then we go to the death scene and we review the life and we look at what did you learn? Uh, what needs to be healed or cleared or released from that life? How is that life connected to what you're learning in this life and get insight and healing and understanding through that process? That's crazy. Do you put people to sleep um, whenever uh, that, whenever you go through this process? That's a common misconception. Yeah. So okay. hypnosis isn't sleep. Uh, when you're asleep, your conscious mind is totally I, – I like to explain it like volume knobs. Mm-hmm. So you have your conscious mind volume knob that during the day is turned on all the way to 10. And you have your inner awareness, which is your subconscious and your superconscious. And that volume knob depends on the person, but uh, a lot of times that's turned down during the day. And we're more paying attention to what's going on outside of us. Excuse me. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and um, less aware of what's going on within us. And then when we go to sleep, 
conscious mind analytical filter turns off and then subconscious and superconscious can come through without anything blocking it. So that's what happens at night when we sleep and when we dream. But in hypnosis, the conscious mind volume knob is not going to turn all the way off. It's mm -hmm. just going to turn down. And it depends on the person how much you can relax, trust, allow, let go, whether that goes from 10 all the way down to one or two. Yeah. Or 10 down to six or seven. Okay. But either way, you can have your experience because your experience is going to happen on the other volume knob. We're going to turn that inner awareness volume knob up. And so that's where the, that's where we're working and during the session the other volume knob the conscious mind can still be this little voice on the side going this is crazy i must be making this up this mm -hmm. can't be real and that's okay that can still be there so a lot of people think that uh if that voice is there oh this isn't working but it's about not giving into that voice or not exchanging with that voice, just kind of letting it be there on the side, but putting your energy and attention on the inner awareness volume knob. Do you just say like yes to that voice where the one that's like, this isn't working, this isn't, are you just like, okay, I see you, hello, but also this other thing's going on. Like how does... Well, there's two. So one, the person themselves can kind of just uh, inwardly tell that voice like, well, let's just explore this and see what happens. And um, afterward, we can analyze it all we want. Okay. Um, or if to... the person's having a hard time, then I might uh, jump in and assist them with them and talk to that voice. Yeah. And same kind of thing, kind of using reason. We're not trying to negate its purpose. Um, we do want to have that analytical questioning part, but we don't want it to stand in the way of the experience. So we just want it to stand off on the side and you can observe. We're not trying to get rid of you, mm -hmm. but we don't want you to interfere right now. We want to explore this and see what happens. Nice. Um, if I may speak to hypnosis in a very ill-versed manner, uh, do you use any pendulums or like pinwheels? <laughs> like you're getting and sleepy. stopwatch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know. Okay, so no. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever said you're getting sleepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except you know, in jest. Um, right. No, we really don't use those methods anymore. No one that I know that practices a profession uses those type of methods. Where uh, did that come from? Does that? I mean, I've it, just cartoons. Is that? Some, is that? <laughs> That's where I, my knowledge of hypnotism I, comes from. Is. So I'm not going to be the best person to tell you the history of, of hypnosis. That's fine. Yeah, I don't um, know I'm going to speak more from my own personal practical yes. uh, experience. Okay. I think there are roots of, you know, where it came from that might have started off that way with, you know, with mesmerism and so forth. Sure. Um, but it, that's not what it is now. That's yeah. not what it's evolved to. And that could also be like the circus performer uh, hypnotist that uh, – and we'll talk about that later, I guess, okay. if you want to. Or we <laughs> yeah. can talk about it now if you want. Like the... Sure. Yeah, there's stage hypnosis and then there's hypnotherapy. Yeah. So... And Go even ahead. though – so there's – every state has different laws. And so I got my training in the state of California – where I can call myself a hypnotherapist. And I really do believe that that's the kind of work that I do in a therapeutic way to help people. Yes. But in Texas, <laughs> uh, the law is that I can't call myself a hypnotherapist unless I'm a 
a psychotherapist or a licensed, um, you know, mental health worker. Okay, yeah. And so I have to call myself a hypnotist, which has kind of more of a connotation of, you know, this hocus pocus sounding thing. Sure. Um, but really, I'm doing the same work that I was doing in California, <laughs> but I have to call it something different here. Yeah. But the difference between... Um, Stage hypnosis and hypnotherapy. So stage hypnosis is often a magician or a comedian. Yeah, right? I think the first time I saw it performed was a, at a comedy at a comedy club. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, was... no. Me too. That's okay, that's cool. like uh, way before I got into this profession. I went to a comedy show, mm -hmm. and I was even so. They, what they do is they get this whole bunch of people on the stage, right? And yeah. I was even one of them. I, I really? went on the stage. And then they kind of use suggestibility tests and they start to wean people out. And I got weaned out, so I wasn't even very suggestible. Really? Oh, right? no. <laughs> no, it's funny. And um, so they wean people out until the most highly suggestible people are left. Um, and uh, Do they give you just like a quick rundown? Like, okay, um, do you – did they have like a hypnotist quiz that they give you sort really quickly? Sort of. You know, it's been a long – that was a long, long time ago. But uh, sort of. They have you, you know, imagine this and they're guiding this or that and they see who follows along mm -hmm. and then who doesn't follow along. And it's important to notice that because you can see that, oh, it, you, you can't make somebody do something against their own will. Yeah. And so hypnosis doesn't – work that way and that's important to notice because I think that's one of the common misconceptions and the big fears is that oh you can make me do something that I don't want to do yeah back in the I don't know 50 years ago I, I suppose that's what like look we can make grandpa you know quack like a duck and um, I, I think that's what right well they do that in those stage shows but those are volunteers and they're weeded out until finally the people who really want to be on stage quacking like a duck are the ones that are left there so so that's why the other people aren't the other people aren't wanting to do that on some level okay and so the people that get left on the stage that are doing whatever the hypnotists are, mm -hmm. are saying are the ones that maybe have a subconscious uh desire to either be the star of the show or a subconscious desire to uh, do what the authority figure said and be the good person. There's some need that's getting met by them following whatever the hypnotist says. Um, so it's not where this person has, the hypnotist has superpowers and they can get anybody to do whatever they want. They can get this really suggestible person who on some level wants to be there doing whatever they say. So as, as like a hypnotist, a performer hypnotist, um, a stage performer hypnotist, they're looking for just like lumps of clay that they can kind of mold and who are willing to be like molded into like, right, you're going to be a duck over here. You're going to be a little marionette puppet. And every time I move my, you know, right yeah. hand and you're going to move your right hand. Um, so they're actually just looking for people that are like, yeah, I'll, I'll be puppet. Sure, that is makes that... for a good show, doesn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. It's for, it's for a show. More For yeah. entertainment, Oh, right? and, I, and I was very entertained. Because <laughs> <laughs> you weren't the one on the stage. That's you were laughing right. at somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but hypnotherapy has a totally different Completely aim. different, right? Yeah, okay. the person, um, the client is coming to the hypnotherapist, and the client's in charge. Instead of the hypno, you know, the hypnotist or hypnotherapist being in charge, the client has a particular goal or issue that they want to work on, and the hypnotherapist is going to help them with that instead of the other way around. And so it totally changes the dynamic of... Uh, it's really sort of really the client who's in charge, and mm -hmm. then the hypnotherapist is facilitating them because um, if you have one part of you 
that wants to change. Let's use something like stop smoking, which is a really common thing that people sure. go uh, for hypnosis. Uh, part of them wants to stop smoking, and part of them doesn't. Yeah. And that's why nothing has happened, right? That's right. Um, whatever it is that you want to change. Oh, part of you wants to start exercising more, and part of you wants to lay on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> that's the big part. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's the hypnotist's job to connect with the part that doesn't want to change and understand what's underneath that. What need is being met through not changing? How can we meet the needs of that part of you in a different way? So let's, again, use smoking. Um, everybody knows that smoking's bad for you. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah, little poison sticks. <laughs> They're poison sticks. <laughs> they cost you money. Mm -hmm. It's not very socially acceptable anymore. It makes your breath bad. There's yeah. so many reasons why not to smoke. And um, if it was just a physical addiction, anybody could stop. You could just take the, that nicotine patch yeah. and you could slowly wean your body off of the physical addiction. Right. But it's an emotional addiction. There's an emotional need that gets met from the behavior of smoking. Mm -hmm. And it's different for different people. And we need to uncover what that is. Let's say it's to relax more. Yeah. Or it's... A lot of people started smoking when they were like 11, 12, 13, mm -hmm. and it was kind of this rebellious, cool thing to do. Yeah. And so there's this part that's like, oh, that's my rebellious side mm -hmm. that needs to be expressed. And if we don't understand what that is and we just take away the cigarettes, now I have this need for my rebellious side to be expressed. Or now I have this need for my stress to be released, and I don't have a way to meet that need. Yeah. But if I can go through hypnosis and we can connect with the part that smokes and we can understand what need is being met, we can then generate new positive ways. What are some other healthier ways for you to release stress? What are some healthier ways for you to express your rebellion? And uh, if we can come up with those new parts or new ways to be expressed and agree to it, then we can let, up the old, let uh, go of the old behavior and incorporate the new behavior, and all of my needs still get met. And that's a much more effective way to make a change. Now there's no lack. I didn't take something away and not replace it. I just found a new, better way to meet that same need. Yeah. Are you asking people, like um, someone that comes to you and wants to smoke, are you asking these questions before? Like, is there a screening process of like, okay, why do you think that you smoke? Like, what is... Absolutely. Is it's it... interesting, though, because... Before we go into hypnosis, I'm getting their conscious mind's answer. And then when we go into hypnosis, I'm getting their sub. So there's parts of them because, again, our, well, our subconscious is our emotions and our beliefs. Mm -hmm. And some people are more self-reflective and self-aware and they know what's there in their subconscious. And other people are just focused on physical, material, outer world things and don't pay attention to their emotions and their beliefs. And so uh, they might even just answer like, I don't know why. Or they might answer, it's blah, blah, blah. But then later when we go into the session, we find out, oh, no, there's something deeper. Yeah. Uh, the cigarette, I've heard this more than once, like the cigarette is always there for me. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. For some people, it's it's that thing that they can rely on. And sure. uh, it, it fulfills some emotional need that they're not allowing themselves to have or not aware uh, is important to them on a conscious mind level. I could see that. Yeah. Um, how, I don't know, you're lonely and <laughs> sad and like, you know what, I'll just grab my old pal cigarette. And uh, yeah, I get that. That's, cigarette, that's a thing to do. Alcohol, alcohol, these substances are... Yeah. Do you get alcoholics uh, as well um, mm-hmm. that are kind of looking to change their ways or... Yeah. I have to be more careful with things like that mm-hmm. because there are protocols for substance abuse okay. and you know letting uh someone who's uh licensed to work with that for i i work with people more that maybe don't call themselves uh alcohol alcoholic mm-hmm. but more say that they'd like to reduce their drinking sure. or change or modify that behavior yeah. lots i've had really good success with people like that okay mm-hmm. great um let's talk about licensing uh, you you brought it up a few times um so I just kind of want to speak to that a little bit are there certain licenses that you have to like renew and keep in order to um, practice in Texas, um, or are there different states? Like I know nurses have to, um, especially like flight nurses also will like if they're close to the border of like Texas and Oklahoma, they'll get licensed in both uh, so that they can travel back and forth. Um, is there anything like that? Like oh, I had to once I moved to Texas, I had to. It was a whole new set of. I heard you just talk to that really briefly. Um, I didn't know if there was more to it or if it was just as simple as that of like, well, I just had to change the title a little bit. <laughs> yeah, every state has different laws. And um, this is maybe part of why people might not view hypnosis as legitimate mm-hmm. is uh, that most states don't have a lot of laws regulating it. Yeah. And so you could have... Uh, you just checked out a book from the library yeah. about hypnosis, and you're like, I am practicing <laughs> hypnosis. And um, you could have me, and I went to a school in California, and I did you know supervised internship okay. and, and practiced for 10 years. Um, that It's sort of a buyer beware. And so definitely I'm not saying that there aren't plenty of people that are practicing in a way that I don't deem uh, – ethical or have enough hours or practice um, to to be good at it. Um, So it is a buyer beware. But I do also think that that's sort of the world that we live in today. And and in a way, it's empowering. So before we had... um, that food was safe to eat because the government says it's safe. Yeah. And now we don't trust that, right? That's There's right. all these, oh, this organization told me that this this person's good. That's right. And now it's more like, oh, I need to figure out for myself. Like if you're going to go see any kind of practitioner, whether it's a medical doctor or it's a hypnotist, uh, I would recommend that you have a conversation with that sure, person yeah, first. Do a little research. And yeah, ask them questions <laughs> and then see how you feel about even you could have three medical doctors that were all trained the same way, but one might be someone that you feel very comfortable with and or one might be one who communicates better mm-hmm. even though they have the same, you know, skill set uh, in their profession. And so it's the same with with hypnosis or reiki or any other kind of uh practitioner is it's a good idea to talk to them and ask questions and trust your gut feeling or ask other people that have worked with them to see what their results were yeah 
um, let's talk about how you got into it, how you got into uh, hypnotherapy or um, what, what, what got you in? When, when were you like, that's it? Was it the comedy show or <laughs> <laughs> uh, something else? Yeah, I didn't give it any, cre- you know, that comedy show didn't give it any credibility and mm-hmm. it didn't occur to me at all at that point. It was an afterthought. Um, You're like, oh yeah, I did go see that show. Yeah, okay. actually, many years later, I totally forgot about it, yeah. even for many years. And, and I don't know, yeah, one day it just triggered, I remembered. Actually, I got my degree in business and I was going to be you know, this businesswoman in the world yeah. and work up the corporate ladder. And uh, when I, in marketing and international business... And I started to work in my field, and that's when I went through this total change because I felt very disillusioned, Mm -hmm. and it created a lot of inner discontent and a lot of questioning because I had thought I was on this track, and it wasn't – I was doing well in my field, but it was – I just felt like, oh, what's the point of this? Yeah. Why do I spend all these hours making – some company, a bunch of money, and what's my life going to look like in 10 years from now? And what's my life going to look like in 20 years from now? And I really didn't have any, I wasn't raised with any particular spiritual belief. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have any. And um, it really caused me to question the whole meaning of life and all of those things. Sure, yeah. Uh, oh, this is what I thought. This is what society told me was going to make me happy. And here I am. And am I really happy? No, I'm not. And uh, so that kind of put me on this path of self-discovery. And one of the main tools at that point was meditation. And when I started to meditate, after getting over this big hump of having a lot of trouble with it, mm-hmm. which I think is common. And I like to mention it to people so they know that that's normal. And if you keep going, then you can get to a point where one day it just clicks and you're like, this is amazing. I want to do this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. I, I got really like, I couldn't wait to get home from the office and meditate for three or four hours at a time. I would meditate just that's really so, long. That's so long for me to, I mean, I, maybe... It's it's all relative, I guess, uh, depending on who you are. But for me, I've tried to practice meditation, and it is such a chore. And it's also probably because I don't do it often enough. But three hours, goodness gracious. I try and do it for 10 minutes, and I can't stop like thinking about pineapple. I'm like, no, get out of here, pineapple. I'm trying to clear thoughts. And pineapple's like, hey, here I am again. Um Maybe you should just eat pineapple before you meditate so that it's totally like, okay, that's taken care of. Just anything. Yeah, a can of beer or something. I don't know. Like Anything (laughs) will just pop in there and be like, hi, how are you? I'm like, I know I need to get dog food. Jesus, I'm trying to chill out right now. Um, Yeah. I would recommend exploring different types of meditation because there's many different types. And so it might just be that the way that you're doing it isn't the right modality for you probably (laughs) I really love working with energy and because when I work with energy it creates it sort of helps me along in the process it kind of naturally puts me into that state without me having to effort it Mm -hmm. so much and to me then it becomes this feeling of bliss yeah and who wants to leave bliss this is why i could stay in it for three or four hours if if it's struggle and it's effort then you're ready to like okay let's quit this and go eat the pineapple yeah (laughs) but um but if you're in bliss 
you want to hang out there. Sure. And that's why I would hang out there so long is because once I kind of hit this state of being, and, and I did start Reiki pretty quickly after I uh, started meditation. And so those two things together created this like big spiritual awakening for me where everything shifted. Yeah. And I joke that it's like the Wizard of Oz, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, I look, joke like it's like the Wizard of Oz where the world was in black and white and it was Kansas before. And I was like, oh, why am I living in Kansas? This is what my life's going to be. <laughs> and then boom, suddenly there's Oz. And yeah. everything's full of colors and alive. Yeah. And, and so, of course, I wanted to hang out in Oz. And um, so anyway, that really, when once I, that opened up within me, then I was so interested. Um, honestly, up until then. Once you started meditating, that is, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Up until then, I wasn't, there wasn't anything that I was ever really that passionate about in my life. And I was sort of envious of those people that, you know, had that thing that they always knew that they wanted to do or be. And I had chosen business because it was logical. Yeah. And, oh, well, you know, you're always going to need business in the world sure. and you're going to make money that way and that's how you become happy is by making money <laughs> and um, so that was the path but uh, once I had this thing open within me this new world that I was exploring through energy and through meditation then I was so hungry for it I just yeah. so I was reading every single book that I could find on this kind of whole new world that I didn't I didn't believe existed before until I experienced it myself and that's a key part of my psyche is that this is why I didn't believe in, you know, a higher power before, because I didn't have a direct experience. I wasn't yeah. going to believe it because it said so in this book or these people here said so or right. whatever. Uh, I needed my own experience and meditation and working with energy gave me that. And so anyway, uh, one of the books that I was reading off the bat was a Journey of Souls by Michael Newton. And Michael Newton is a hypnotherapist who didn't believe in past lives until one of his clients, he accidentally regressed them into a past life. It's a very similar story to Brian Weiss, who's another well-known author who uh, is a hypnotherapist. And, um, and so he brings his client into a past life, and then they go through the death scene, and then from there... They're exploring what happens in spirit realm. Yeah. And this was very fascinating to him. And uh, so he decided to focus on that. And he comes from a fairly like scientific type of approach. And um, so he did thousands of these case studies over his career. And he sort of mapped out spirit realm. In between lives, when we're not incarnated, where do we go? What do we do? And then how do we choose to come back into incarnation? Anyway, all of this, it really resonated with something inside of me. And that's the thing that working with energy and meditating did for me is it connected me to my own inner truth, my own inner knowingness yeah. um, that gets drowned out from society. We're told, oh, this is the way it is. This is the way you're supposed to be. But we all have this subtle inner knowingness that we can connect to through meditation and other types of modalities. Right. And so anyway, I read that book and I was like, oh, this guy, he has the coolest job. <laughs> but it didn't dawn on me at that time, like, oh, I could do that work because I guess it was early on in my journey, um, but 
do you feel like you see mm-hmm. people? That, sorry, I don't mean no. to if you're in mid-thought. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I just um, do you ever see people that um, may be following what society says? And, <laughs> and are you like, oh, if I could just show you, but that's a personal journey. Like if I could just show you what's more important than, you know, a house and a dog and a kid and whatever, I don't know, a nine to five and you just see this person so miserable. You're like, oh, God, it's because you want to be a puppeteer. You should have gone the puppeteer route. <laughs> like, <laughs> you should have spent all your money on puppets instead of, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Every single least... day. Isn't that, really? isn't that, don't you think that's 80% of the population? Yeah, I feel like I see it pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's it's a beautiful thing. Like, everybody, you, you know, the same it was for me. Nobody could have, like, came up to me and said, here's what you need to know. Can't yeah. you just see this if it wasn't the time? And I wouldn't have valued it the same way as I do from uncovering that myself. Yeah. That's the whole human journey is, you know, it's so exciting when you get that little piece of awareness and that little piece of knowledge. Not because uh, sometimes it's somebody else says it and it triggers something within you. Sure. But if you're not ready, then it won't trigger anything. It's rare. And it can be shook into you. Like, right, right. <laughs> hey, no, listen, no. <laughs> you, you gotta, yeah. follow your dreams, be a puppeteer. You're good at it. God damn it. You can throw your voice. I don't know. I didn't even see your lips moving. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you have a subconscious desire to be a puppeteer. I'm hearing something about You know that what? I do you. really enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> just silliness altogether, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Just being a showman, I think, has always been inside of me. Um, I even remember being a kid and, like, being stood up on a, a chair, like, in, in church and, like, sing, damn it. And I'm like, okay, my father Abraham had many sons. And then, I don't know, just, like... <laughs> <laughs> being a really little kid and getting off the chair and be like, ah, I did good. Or like, I don't know, not I did good, but it was like, everybody really seemed to enjoy that. Um, wow, you know. were the opposite of me. Oh, really? I have were you to like... really push myself to, to, to even be like on a podcast like this. Well, I'm also very reclusive too. Like I'll do that. And then I always refer to myself as like a cell phone battery. Like as soon as I go out and I start like singing and dancing, immediately like turns the gps on on my cell phone the battery just starts going going and going and then it's in the red and i gotta go hibernate and not show my face to the world until i have a full charge again uh-huh. <laughs> is that weird yeah, i think because people used to be like there's an introvert and there's an extrovert and i always mm-hmm. felt like i was something in between that and then i don't know some years ago i read about the ambivert and i was like yes that's me the ambivert what's you that know? <laughs> I don't even know about that. What is that? Um, it's sort of a mixture. You're the person, you know, you can go out and be social in the crowd and, and enjoy interacting with other people. But at a certain point, then, like you said, then you need to retreat and you also enjoy time alone, introspective time. So you kind of swing back and forth. You have both sides and they both need to be, I don't want to say fed, but sure, no, <laughs> honored, honored. They honored. both need to be honored. What a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> display of verbiage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I could ring, uh, wrap that back around to hypnosis because yes. a lot of the work that I do with people is working with their different parts. Mm-hmm. We have these different aspects of ourselves that want different things. And so we have to bring those all into alignment. Otherwise, we have this inner battle, this push and pull, right? The part right. of you that wants to be on show and then the part of you that wants to stay home and be by yourself mm-hmm. and... Um, if we recognize, oh, I have these different parts and they have different important qualities and I can find a healthy, balanced expression of both, then we can live harmonious. But if we think, if you think one part of those is 
the good guy. Yeah. Um, the guy that shows himself, and you think that the guy that wants to be home alone is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Then you have a lot of struggle, and so a lot of times, because of how people were raised in society, they think. This is my good part, and this is my bad part. Will you hypnotize away my bad part? Yeah. And part of my job is to say that's not a bad part. Okay. Maybe yeah. that part learned some behaviors that are not healthy, but underneath those behaviors, that part has valid needs, and we want to understand the essence. Like smoking, there's lots of people that have shame mm-hmm. because it's not very acceptable in our society, in our American society anymore. Right. There's shame around being a smoker, smoker, and they're closet secret smokers. Isn't that funny? How yeah. that's like now it's like taboo if you're a smoker. Like, oh gosh, how could you light up in front of me? And then you watch TV from like 40 years ago, and they're smoking. I mean, even yeah. like 80s the shows in like in the 80s, uh, mm-hmm. there's cigarettes and or just travel the world and people smoke. A lot. I'm, that's true. Now yeah. I actually I do really don't like I don't like when people smoke around me. So I get that, but it being as far as the judge. Judgment. Mm-hmm. That's different, right? So right. the judgment. And so people have a lot of judgment towards this part of them that smokes. Like I said, underneath the behavior of smoking that we don't like is a valid need that's trying to get met. There's nothing wrong with the part of you that wants to relax more. The part of you that wants even, you know, to be rebellious is just to kind of be footloose and fancy free or yeah. you know express yourself in a unique way there's nothing wrong with that if you channel it in a positive way instead of in a self-destructive way yeah. and so whatever this behavior is that i want to change uh, it's important to not demonize that part of ourself even if it's something like oh i have anger issues um even that's not bad in itself mm-hmm. if you can channel it in in a different way anger has its own value Anger is a way that we set boundaries with people. Sure. If I say like, okay, 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 to everything everyone asks of me at some point, enough, you know, <laughs> and then, oh, the demon comes out. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if I could recognize, oh, I'm getting angry because I'm trying to set a boundary and I start to learn how to set boundaries, then I don't have to get so angry all the time. Or if I can recognize that, well, sometimes anger is useful because if people are doing injustices in the world and nobody gets upset about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's yeah. some more of that murder stuff going Sleep on. Sleep under the rug. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, then nothing changes. But if somebody gets angry and says, this isn't right, we need to do something, it's a active energy. And so if I can just channel it in a non-destructive way, it can be useful. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. That's, that's awesome. Um, is it hard to decipher that sometimes? Like, I... Shit, I don't know if that's good or... But like, if somebody comes to you and is mm-hmm. like... Will you get rid of this part of me that likes to, I don't know, exercise too much or something? Um, <laughs> are you ever faced with like morals um, of uh, like, ah, oh, shit, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should hypnotize you to not like chicken breast anymore. I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm just curious. That's a if, deep moral, yeah, ethical dilemma. I'm just reaching here for like yeah, no, something. No, no, definitely though. If, well, well, first of all, I'd say the way that I practice, I never try to get rid of a part, like I said. Right. I will find the value and then channel it in a new positive way. Okay. Um, but 
Certainly, and we were talking about this a little before, yes. certainly sometimes people contact me and want me to hypnotize somebody else to change them the way that they want them to be changed. Yeah. And that's highly unethical. Yeah. Um, especially, it's hard. This is why I don't really work with kids anymore. It's mm-hmm. hard when parents contact me and want me to change their child. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the worst case or the worst situation I've had with that is when people it's happened more than once when people called and asked me if I could hypnotize their child to not be homosexual. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. And, you know, inside I'm I'm like, oh, my God. But, of course, I— This uh, is in Texas, right? Not in California. <laughs> no, not in California. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it did not happen to me exactly when I was in California. I know exactly where this was. <laughs> um, but— I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm, apparently not. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's— But I will—you know, I have said over the phone that, that that's not aligned with my own personal ethical beliefs. Yeah, and I said that, um, you know, if, you're, if your child is having trouble with their sexual identity and it's bringing them uh, inner turmoil, I'd be happy to work with them on their inner turmoil so that they could be happier. It doesn't, but I'm not going to work on, you know, yeah. them changing into what you want them to be. I'm going to work on those emotions that are making them unhappy. Sure. And, and, and not even for that extreme a case, but sometimes... Just, yeah, their child is, uh, their teenager is being disobedient or whatever. And I will say, well, do do they want to work with me? Yeah. Like, can I talk to them? Is it your kid's choice um, or your choice? Like, right, what's... right. Because it doesn't work if the client doesn't want to change. Yeah. And so if, if the parent is wanting the child to change and the child doesn't want to, then I can't do anything. My hands are tied. It's right. not magic. People think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions about hypnosis is <laughs> that it's it's like magic. Okay, yeah. you're just going to lie down and I'm going to say my magic words yeah. and wave my magic wand and then boom, you're going to change. Yeah. Oh, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> um, um, but it's not. There's Like I said, there's a part of you that wants to change and there's a part of you that if there's no part of you that wants to change, then I can't work with you. Yeah, and um, you're just kind of digging into like the hyper consciousness of that person and trying to bring out, you know, what wants to be molded in a certain direction, as opposed to not like I would like to not smoke anymore. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna bring out that more so than the uh, cigarettes are always there for me. Do you... I'm uh, I'm going to connect. So usually, whatever it is that you want to change. Mm-hmm smoking or your anger issues you're running away from it you're avoiding it you're like oh if i just push it down uh then i'm not going to want to do that anymore yeah and if i just push that anger down and i'm happy all the time then it won't come up and be you know and bother me in my life Mm -hmm. but that doesn't work yeah it will fester yeah (laughs) what what you resist persists it gets stronger you know you push it down and it's a pressure cooker and it gets bigger and then oh somebody says one little thing and whoa there's this big blow up um and so, but it's scary to people. Whatever this is that they want to change is like the boogeyman. It's this big monster, and they're running away because they don't feel like they can face it. Mm-hmm. And so that's my job is to help them face it. And I'm like, okay, I, I can work with this. I know what to do. And a lot of it is coming from this um, 
loving, accepting uh, perspective instead of this shameful, demonizing perspective that they've been carrying inside of them. Right. And so that's why people won't face things, and that's why people won't change. Sure. Because it's so scary. But if you had somebody there who could help you to see the value of it underneath and help you then transform it into something positive, uh, then you're willing to move forward and make that change. Nice. Um, what's the biggest like obstacle that you're faced with uh, as a hypnotherapist <laughs> on a day-to-day basis? Is there like one thing that like, um, I don't know, this guy's got a uh, like a very tough mentality he's going to be a a hard nut to crack or is there is there like one specific like thing that you're like oh man i get i got one of these i got one of these guys (laughs) or or like the the hyper um what's the word i'm looking for kind of like a a hyper like this isn't gonna work uh what's the word i'm looking for you know what i'm talking about skepticism thank you Uh (laughs) still fairly early (laughs) this coffee's not working (laughs) Well, well, first of all, you know, people are paying to work with me. So there's a certain willingness that's come, you know, versus maybe if uh, it's on a, at a show and I'm trying to get them, then uh, it might be different. Right. Um, so there's some openness or willingness just by that okay, alone. But, yeah, there, the challenges to successfully guiding somebody into the hypnotic state would be people who have a hard time relaxing. Sure. Which, believe it or not, some people, you know, part of my process will be to guide them into, have them go to a place, a peaceful place. Mm-hmm. Um, this is So first you do the induction, which is to relax and let go of the outer world and to begin focusing inwardly. And then you do a deepener, which is to deepen that state of relaxation. And so I ask somebody to go to a, peaceful place of your choice yeah and some people can't come up with anything (laughs) and so then i will and and then i'll think okay well maybe you know remember a time uh maybe when you're on vacation yeah from your childhood a time when you were very relaxed without a care in the world or something and um some people can't think of anything and then i might say you know it could be like the ocean Uh uh-huh or the mountains sure or and gives it but if if you really really can't imagine that, <laughs> that you know, seems like an obstacle. Yeah, yeah, for that's sure. a small percentage of people. Okay, um, the bigger one that would come up is uh, that we live in a very left brain world, mm-hmm. and our left brain is the masculine side of our brain, the analytical, structured, you know, black and white part of our brain, and the the active do it, make it happen. And this is what our society values, right? Yeah. Um, but hypnosis is a right brain process. Okay. It's creative. It's abstract. It's uh, There are many possibilities, not just the one right way. And so sure. people who are really plugged into like, um, like perfectionism and like, oh, am I doing it right? How do I make it happen now? Yeah. You know, get in their own way. <laughs> yeah. So would you say it's easier to... Um do hypnosis with like an artist as opposed to like an accountant? If I'm, you know, going to generalize, yeah, yeah, I would say that. What <laughs> it I, sounds like it at least. Yeah. What I try to do, what I've learned to do over the years is to sort of pre-screen people, sort of like what you said before, is to ask the right questions before we go into the hypnosis so I can pinpoint the red flags. And a lot of it is through 
educating the person. It's half me and it's half you. The success of the session, it's 50-50. Right. Like I said, it's I can't just say my magic words and then boom, it changes you. It's just as much your openness, your trust, um, not only in me, but your trust in the process and your trust in your ability to change uh, that creates the result. Sure. And so if I notice that somebody is one of these harder cases, then I ask them, you know, how willing are you willing to sort of put your skepticism on the side and just try it out and see, and then you can decide. But if you don't do that, then your skepticism will block you from ever having the experience. And um, for me, the experiences are what create my belief in something, my own experiences, like I said, not because... uh, so-and-so said, or even because of the research, I want to have my own experience. And so in order to have your own experience, whether it's in hypnosis or in Reiki, you need an openness. That's it. You don't have to decide like, yes, this is really real until after, but you have to have a willingness to explore that that's possible. And just uh, one definition I read of hypnosis was the temporary suspension of disbelief. That's what you need to do for that one hour that we're together. And then you can bring all your skepticism and disbelief back in if you want. But you have to be willing to temporarily set that aside. Just mm-hmm. be open and see. And and that that's your part of the process. Right. So, yeah, a lot of times I will sort of question the more challenging people like this. Are you willing to do that? Um, because they need to see that it's their responsibility, too. Yeah. Um, because I, I can't take that full responsibility. Uh, it's We're working together. Most definitely. You're a team at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Um, do you uh, Have you ever seen or do you practice um, hypnotism or Reiki to uh, boost immune systems? Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, a little bit in my reading. I came across that. Um, there's a chapter or two in each book that would have like a section over like strengthening your immune system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, I also want to talk about uh, hypnotism um, to overcome pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't mind speaking to hypnotism to like boost, boost your immune system, I'm interested in that. Okay. Uh, or, or do you practice that? I, that sure. may be outside of your realm of like, well, I've got to go see so-and-so for that. <laughs> no, um, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely, okay. uh, I do that. The funniest thing is the placebo effect. The placebo, yes. everybody knows about the placebo effect. Mm-hmm. The placebo effect has been proven in so many research studies. Nobody doubts the placebo effect. Oh, I, and yet, I worked in a research hospital where there's literally a placebo for that very reason. Like there, there's an actual definition of a placebo bill is yeah. in these, that people are paying millions of dollars, like pharmacy companies mm-hmm. are paying millions of dollars to have a placebo effect as well. So I'm sorry, go ahead. Right. No. So it's very, so, very alive and true. So it's funny that people will just say, oh, that's just the placebo effect. No, the placebo effect is proof of the power of our mind. Absolutely, yes. And so we have all of the scientific research showing through the placebo effect mm-hmm. the, the power of our mind. Yes. That you're, if your mind believes something can help you, that... Your body changes from that. Yeah. It believes it's receiving this medicine. And so that in itself, to me, is uh, proof of working with the power of our mind, which is what hypnosis is. Yes. And so uh, in terms of your immune system, mm-hmm. yeah, if you 
use the power of your mind, you can increase your immune system or the power of your immune system. And there's different ways that you can work with that with hypnosis. So you can visualize some some people actually you know visualize their immune system yeah. and these strong fighters fighting off yeah, the invaders yeah. and things like that. Or you can use uh, suggestions mm-hmm. um, or a combination would be good. Or you can imagine yourself um, getting healthier and uh, more vibrant every single day so you can feel and imagine experience what it would be like to uh, not get sick anymore yeah. and and it's very powerful and Most so definitely. yeah cool um and and you know so and that ties into with your immune system i think so much of it ties into the power of positive thinking sure, also sure. yeah um um yeah i i I've seen it with my own eyes, so like I know that um, just working in that research hospital, uh, old patients would be getting sick, and the patient that I I was behind the curtain, so like I could see who has the who has the actual drug that's being tested, and who has the sugar pill, and they were getting the same symptoms. I'm like, dude, you're fine. Like, <laughs> but what all their comrades were saying, like, oh man, I couldn't couldn't sleep last night, and uh, I'm my uh, Movements are different. Um, uh, stool <laughs> movements are different. Sorry, I was trying to, I was trying to uh, sugarcoat that a little bit, but I guess I wasn't clear enough. Anyways, um, and they were just making themselves sick, like because they had nothing. There was nothing wrong with them. I could see this happening, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's clearly these subjects are getting sick from um, said drug, and this guy is just like in the placebo effect and like somebody's these subjects are talking and they would encourage people to like don't tell your comrades you know about your symptoms just tell the doctors anyways that's what I, that's all I was trying to just strengthen your point of like the blips <laughs> sugar pill uh, is very much <laughs> the placebo effect is very much alive and well um, then this is coming from somebody that's actually seen it yeah, the um, power of your mind, the power yeah. of belief. If only we would tap into that more and harness it. For we sure. all, I mean, you can go to a hypnotist to help you with that, or you can work on it within yourself. But just to recognize the power of that, wouldn't it be better to work on changing your beliefs? There's no side effects from that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to pay all this money and be addicted to something for the sure. rest of your life. Oh, but a firm believer of if you can get rid of the prescription meds and do it holistically do do it that way um or mentally for that for that matter um i'm reminiscent of this tribe in brazil that uh puts these i don't know if they use meditation or not um but they put these gloves on with a bullet ant and it bites the shit out of them i think they do it like 20 times before they can be proved as a man um but they go into like a state of like I guess hypnotic state of like no pain um, sensory uh, and people that have gotten gotten bit by said ant uh, have said like it's the worst pain I've ever felt in my entire life. Um, do you ever hypnotize people to not get feel pain? Bit- <laughs> not, not by, <laughs> to get bitten by an ant. not by the specific <laughs> Brazilian ant, um, but just like people that have maybe like arthritis or something. Can you kind of massage that out, uh, that thought process of pain, even though it may still very well be there? Yeah, I don't think, I don't know that I've ever 
totally released. Uh, definitely, you can lessen the degree of pain. And, sure, and I sure. do believe you. Could, it depends on the person how strong their mind is. But right. um, the other thing about pain is that pain shows us when something's out of balance. Well, you know, maybe arthritis is different, but um, as far as physical pain or emotional pain, mm -hmm. like if every time, like I use this example a lot, like if I put my hand on a hot stove, pain tells me that I, my hand shouldn't <laughs> be there. That Remove hand. that. Yeah. If I just take painkillers and, you know, make pain go away, yeah. uh, my hand burns. And sure. so uh, we need that. sometimes, yeah. Well, we, so either way, we could, I Sorry. could, I could get the awareness um, of, oh, I shouldn't do that, and and get the lesson from pain, and then I don't have to have the pain. Yeah. Um, that's a good way. And so in the same way, sometimes the pain, yeah, sometimes the pain still needs to be there to remind me. Like if I keep picking up that object the wrong way, instead of using my legs, I'm using my back, and mm -hmm. so I have pain in my back. The pain is pointing to me like, oh, use your legs. Yeah. And um, and so that's good. Okay. And then if I catch that and I start using my legs, then the pain goes away on its own. And so in some ways, you know, we have to just be aware. And then if we think about emotional pain, you know, sadness or, or whatever, then we also have to look at, oh, what is this belief that might be, you know, creating this recurring emotional pain. Mm -hmm. So rather than just making like, oh, let's just uh, hypnotize you to be happy all the time. Yeah. Uh, it'd be better to explore like, oh, what's the root of this emotional pain? What's this belief? Oh, this belief that I'm not good enough. Why? Where did that come from? And how can I change that rather than just kind of coat over it with the, the happy face? Yeah. And so, so there's kind of a balance, I think, in terms of I think you were just talking mostly about physical pain, though. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've also I came across some literature that spoke to people that didn't need like an anesthetic uh, for surgeries mm -hmm. and such, mm -hmm. or that didn't want to use an anesthetic. Yeah. They would use hypnosis mm -hmm. to kind of like, all right, pull the tooth now. I'm in a good spot. Like, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know lots of cases of that. Honestly, my specialty or the people that I work with are a lot um, in spiritual and mental emotional realm. And some on the physical, and certainly everything under the sun can be worked on with hypnosis. So people sometimes will contact me and be like, oh, you know, are you familiar with this really rare, unique, you know, I don't know, ailment yeah. that I've never heard of? And, and um, have you ever worked on somebody with this? And I haven't, but it's still using sort of the same principles. And so because there's a million and one things that you could work on, with hypnosis, uh, just because I've never worked on that before doesn't mean that I can't. It's the same basic principles that we're using uh, regardless of what the issue is. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, and then I'm just going to bring this up real quick because I have to, I feel like. Have you ever seen Office Space? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh -huh. real fast. It's a funny movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a comedy, so not a, you take it with a grain of salt. But the therapist, like, dies midway through, like... Uh, hypnosis and <laughs> this guy is really affected um can you kind of shine light on that to somebody that's like that's gonna happen to me if i go what if your vocal cords go out or like what if um you fall dead from a heart attack in the middle of am i always gonna cluck like a chicken i don't know um can well, you? sure. Well, first of all, I'm very vibrant and healthy, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, I don't make people cluck like a chicken. No. Yeah. Um, 
uh, it's really it's again it's not this uh, mystical stage yeah. not in clinical hypnosis um where somebody's going to get trapped in it and not be able to pull themselves out. Really, it's it's like meditation. It's a relaxed, inner focus state. Sure. And you're choosing to in- withdraw your attention from the outer world and focus it all on the inner. Yeah. And that's all it is. So, like, if you were meditating or if you were in hypnosis and the fire alarm went off, you could just, nobody just, would have to pull you out of it even. You could just jump up and, yeah. you know, leave the building uh, so that's really television and entertainment, yeah. especially. So, I mean, Office Space, at least he was in a really good state. You <laughs> yeah. know, there's these other movies, these horror movies, and, you know. Yeah, where every time uh, a bell rings, you have to kill a person or yeah, something. Yeah, or something. Like that. Yeah, and then the door, you know, in your mind opens, and now yeah. the evil monster's coming in yeah. and it's taken over or something like that. <laughs> like, all of that is just. Entertainment. Yeah, the specific uh, article that I read was um, it was a therapist speaking to what somebody had asked uh, them about. What if you know you fall over and die? Will I always be? And uh, I think she said something along the lines of like, "You'd just get bored. Like you would just get <laughs> bored of not hearing me talk." And, uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and um, that would be that. Like you would probably walk out or call the police or nine one one. I would said, hope you would. Yeah, yeah please. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, well, we're kind of in the at the point uh, of the podcast where I step away from my questioning. And if you have anything that you want to go over or if we didn't cover something or specific story uh, that you'd like to share, this is uh, your time to do that. Um, if you have anything you want to plug, like if anybody wants to find you, where, where can they do that? Okay, yeah, because I always have different um, classes and events yeah. and workshops that are going on. So this will... Um, anything in January coming up because this will be closer to Christmas once this airs. Right in January, so I teach Reiki classes, mm-hmm. and um, and I would love to talk about Reiki or energy. Sure. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. But first, uh, before we do that, I'll just tell you um, how to find me and the events that are going on. And you can go to my website. It's uh, www.awakeningtransformation.com. And I'll include this in the episode link. Okay, great. So you yeah. can just hyperlink it. Um, and so I do teach Reiki classes every month. And I also have regression workshops. I have uh, workshops working with your chakras, your energy centers in your body. And the reason I wanted to talk about energy is because uh, everything is energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's one of the easiest ways, or I don't know, maybe easy, simplest ways to create change in your life. And so I wish more people knew about working with energy and would utilize it because so uh, in the Reiki 1 class, um, you become attuned to Reiki, which means uh, that you are opened as a channel for the energy so that the energy is now flowing through your hands. And so even if people just took Reiki level one, where I teach you basic energy principles and how to work with Reiki, uh, it could just be for yourself or it could be with others. It's up to you. But even just for yourself, if you just had a connection, Reiki is, uh, Rei means universal and Ki means energy. Okay. So... If you had a connection, a bigger connection to this universal energy and you could use it to clear your own energy on a regular basis, it really creates big 
shifts in your life because everything is a different frequency of energy. And so your physical body is a slower, denser energy. And that's why you can touch and see and, and feel it. Um, but your emotions are energy. You could walk into a room where people were arguing. You can feel the yeah. emotional energy in there without knowing what happened. You can sense that. Uh, but it's at a faster frequency. You can't see the emotions. Mm -hmm. um, your thoughts are an energy. And, of course, spirit is an energy. And so uh, if I wanted to change things in my life, let's say I wanted to change my physical body, so I go to a nutritionist, I go to a personal trainer, and then I want to change my relationship, and I go to a counselor, and I want to change my finances, and I have a financial advisor. So I work all out here in my life, and I spend a lot of uh, time and money and energy to make these changes. Mm -hmm. Um, or I could change my energy and those things start to change because those things are a reflection of my energy. Everything that's in your life is a reflection of your energy. And so like I could work with somebody using hypnosis um, to stop smoking. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody could just use their willpower to stop smoking. Some people can. Some people right, <laughs> depends yeah. on how strong it is, right? You sure. could use your willpower and you could be like, oh, I really want to smoke. Um, no, 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 no. And you could have this inner battle mm -hmm. and it could be painful and struggle that you finally overcome. Yes. Um, or you could change your energy. And uh, this, this has happened because I've had uh, Reiki students that told me that after they got attuned to Reiki or after they started using Reiki for a while, their cigarettes just did not appeal to them anymore. Yeah. Because now they're at a different frequency than yeah. their cigarettes. And so... Wouldn't it be nice just to wake up and be like, eh, I'm not interested in that yeah. negative thing, whether it's cigarettes or maybe you have toxic people in your life that you seem to be entangled with that you can't quite let go of or mm -hmm. that bad habit, whatever it is, um, it's energy. And so as your energy shifts, uh, those things shift too. And so I love it's it almost feels magical yeah. <laughs> that as you're shifting your energy, those things shift. Now, it takes time to shift your energy. You can receive a Reiki session or you can give yourself Reiki and you can feel better right away. But for that habit or that belief or that part of yourself to permanently change, it happens over time. So I use water as the metaphor for Reiki. And water is so gentle and soothing. And that's how Reiki feels. It's very soothing. Um, but over time, it carves canyons. And that's how I feel. That's the power of Reiki, is, uh, which is why I wish, I mean, of course, I love giving to Reiki to people, but I wish like everybody would become attuned. Just take Reiki level one class and give it to yourself because over time, it will carve those canyons within you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and are there, keep me straight here. I'm, I'm, I promise you, I don't know that real answer to this. Is that, <laughs> is Reiki in line with, is it chakra? Is it? Is mm -hmm. it? Am I saying that right? Chakra? Yeah. Chakra? Different people. Some people say chakra. <laughs> some people say chakra. I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying it yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I say chakra. Um, the chakras are energy centers in your body. Okay. And so, and Reiki is the energy that flows through the energy centers. So chakras are sort of the hub. Okay. And then, you know, like in ac um, acupuncture, the, you hear about the energy meridians, the energy channels. Mm -hmm. So you have these energy channels, and then uh, there's energy hubs, the chakras, and then Reiki is the energy okay. that flows through. Chakras are just like 
points in your body for the most part. Like there's, I, again, keep me, I have you on here <laughs> to keep me straight. So so uh, if I say something incorrectly, feel free to. Uh, no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only know like maybe three. There's There's like the top of your head is maybe like the third eye or something like that. Fudge. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. And then there's uh, throat, mm-hmm. and then there's a chest one. I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, that's what? you got four right I got there. Four, four okay. out of seven. Well, there's there's all sorts of different systems with you know a different amount, but basically there's uh, seven main ones that the different systems all agree on. Mm-hmm. And these seven energy centers along your spine, the chakras, um, they go from the root chakra at the very base of your spine is the slowest, densest frequency, and it is more connected with uh, physical, earthly things. So it's the most earthly of your chakras, the most material. So it has to do with um, feelings of stability and security and uh, material. I sort of think of, do you know Maslow's hierarchy? I don't. Okay. But we learned this in like business school, <laughs> Abraham Maslow, uh, hierarchy of needs. And it's this um, pyramid. Okay. And at the very bottom of the pyramid are your base level needs just to survive, your survival needs. Okay. Just to, to, food, water. Yeah. Like you need to, yeah, exactly. You need to exercise. have food. Well, exercise yeah. isn't really like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could fit in there, but like <laughs> your basic needs are that, you know, that you have your, your physical body needs, you right? Must, you yeah. have to have sleep, you have to eat, you, you, know, you need shelter. Um, you're going to take care of those first Correct. in order to be able to move up on the hierarchy of needs, right? Like right. if those aren't taken care of, you're not thinking of love or anything. If you don't have enough food to eat, Correct. first you're going to be thinking about where am I going to get my food? Yeah. But once those needs are taken care of, then you move up to your your emotional needs, your mental needs, and then your spiritual needs, basically. And that's how the chakras work, too. So at your lower level, the root chakra is sort of your basic survival needs. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh-huh. And... Um, and then your second chakra, which is the sacral chakra, it's like around your belly button area. Mm-hmm. Um, different people have different things that they say about this one. <laughs> um, it's sexuality, yeah. but it's not just sex. It's more, I think, you know, sexuality is like um, being in the moment, um, uh, pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so things that are pleasurable being in the moment where you're just in the moment, you're not thinking about oh, what's the outcome you're just enjoying the moment yeah. so it could be enjoying a great meal or yeah. you know all of these sensory pleasures and then also um emotions towards the self and and play um so these are the second chakra mm-hmm. so each chakra each energy center it uh, it can be balanced or out of balance. It could have too much energy. So if we go back to the first chakra in this survival chakra, if you have too much energy, then you're just focusing on money and material things there. If you don't have enough energy there, you might not feel safe in the world. Okay. So having a balanced you know, chakra there. And then the second chakra, you could just be focused on sex or, or food or you're playing. Mm-hmm. 
and and not be responsible and, and, and think of the outcome. Or you could have a healthy, balanced-like uh, approach where you can allow yourself to enjoy and play in a balanced way. Or you could have that totally shut off because yeah. uh, those are the things that you feel you can't, you know, you have to control them. And so you shut them down. Um, so each chakra has its balanced or unbalanced uh expression. And so then there's the third chakra, the solar plexus, and that is empowerment. If you have too much energy there, maybe you try to control everything mm-hmm. in your life or other people. If Ooh. you have not enough energy there, you let other people control you. And if you have a balanced sense, then you have a sense of empowerment coming from within yourself. And then you have your fourth chakra, the heart chakra, um, in the center of your chest. And that's, as you would imagine, love and compassion um if you you could have too much energy there sure if you if you love everybody else then oh whatever you want whatever you want and then um not enough care for what's going to take care of me yeah um or of course you could shut that down also (laughs) and be like oh you know love hurts and i don't want to open to that yeah um, and then you have uh, your throat chakra, and that's your communication, expression, creativity. And then you have your third eye in the middle of your forehead, and that's your higher senses. So you have your five physical senses that people are aware of, mm-hmm. but that only gives you this outer perception of the world. And when you open your inner senses, that's when you can tap into there's so much more. There's so much wisdom and creativity and awareness that comes so when this one opens that could be like the psychic that you had or the medium mm-hmm. you have your clairvoyance and your clairaudience and your claircognizance and your clairsentience it's uh your intuition all of the knowingness that comes from beyond the five senses higher awareness is the sixth chakra and then the seventh chakra is uh your connection to the divine so if that one's shut down, then you don't, you know, that's who I was before, like that you don't believe in anything beyond just the physical. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, and I don't know how much you want to go into the chakras, the no, whole workshop, but totally um, into it. it's so interesting how they work uh, together. Yeah. So the chakras, if you go to the root chakra, it um, they alternate in polarity with masculine and feminine, not man and woman, but like yin and yang, masculine. Like we all need a balance of masculine and feminine qualities. Yeah. And so the first chakra is masculine. The second is feminine. The third is masculine. The fourth is feminine. Fifth is masculine. Sixth is feminine. And seventh is masculine again. And so um, ideally we want a healthy balance. Uh, but it's interesting when I work with people energetically that I often find it doesn't not doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Sure. Um, but that people tend to be really strong in either their masculine or the feminine, and then the other side's needing more expression, and that's creating this imbalance within them. Okay, yeah. And so, that's... and you can, if if you work with energy and you feel energy, you can sense and feel through the chakras what's going on. And within yourself, the more you learn about the chakras, as I was describing them, maybe you thought like, ah, oh, that chakra, that's the one I need to work on. You know, you yeah. can kind of know. Um, the other interesting thing is because everything's energy is that also by knowing where the chakras are physically in the body, then if you're always, oh, if I always have throat issues, I always get a sore throat or something, then I can look at, oh, what is the throat chakra about? Oh, is there, do I have blocks in my creativity, my self-expression, my communication? You can look at where 
your physical issues and you can understand what the mental emotional components are that might be contributing to that. And do you use hypnosis to tap into these things? Like say I need to um, focus on my outward expression or do you, do you like, all right, we're going to start, we're going to dive into this specific chakra and um, I don't know, bring it out more so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that, well, is that accurate or sure we can, we can absolutely work that way. A lot cool. of times when people want to work with their chakras, uh, I work with Reiki instead. But I often combine the two. They work really, Reiki works with everything really well. So I could be guiding someone into hypnosis and channeling Reiki to them. And that will help them to open up a lot more and to tap in. Um, because with hypnosis, we really want to tap into the subconscious or the superconscious. And the subconscious is the, like I said before, the beliefs and the emotional self. And some people don't want to connect to their emotions, right? Yeah. And have a hard time feeling safe to connect to their emotions. And Reiki kind of helps open that door for them because that's really where the change is going to happen. And and so versus just us talking on a conscious level about like you might go to a talk therapist and it might help you to a certain extent and now you know what your pattern is and you can name it and you understand the dynamic but that doesn't necessarily make you change but when we connect to the emotion of that and we shift that then change happens pretty quickly and so working on the emotional level is very powerful and yet that's the level that people usually try to avoid yeah our society teaches us that emotions are meaningless or a nuisance, mm-hmm. and we don't understand a lot of times the uh, power that can be had through engaging with our emotions and working with them and utilizing them for what we want. Sure. Awesome. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I don't want to end this too early. Um, is there anything else that uh, you want to bring up or, or speak to that uh, that we didn't go over? Um, or do you feel satiated? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's a, that's a leading question. Yeah. I'm not satiated. I'm not satiated. I'm not, I'm, we must go on. There's so much to tell. I'm sure there's there's tons. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I could talk. For, these are all my favorite subjects. I could yeah. talk forever. But, I mean, unless there's a particular question or focus that you have, you're in charge. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I feel happy uh, with where we're at. Um, do you want to... Um, talk about like some um, nuisances that you may have encountered Uh, (laughs) just like having people that may be skeptical about uh, hypnosis or um, um, any of the the chakras or someone that's just being a a silly billy (laughs) Um, annoying you Um, has that ever happened or is well uh, I'm not here to convince everybody. Sure. I, I understand that until you experience something yourself, mm-hmm. you might not believe in it. Because right. that's the kind of person that I am, too. However, the funny thing is that it's sort of a catch-22. Because if you don't at least open yourself to the possibility, then you won't experience it. So, like with Reiki, like I, if I go to give you Reiki and you don't 
believe that it's possible at all, mm-hmm. then you shut yourself off from receiving the energy and you won't receive the energy. True. Yeah. And that so, makes sense. but if you just have an openness about it, like, I don't know what this is, but let me see, then you can receive the energy. And the same, same with the hypnosis. Like, if you go in and you, you say, um, well, you know, this isn't going to work and you're there to prove me wrong, then it won't work because that's the power of your mind, right? Yeah. Um, it's so, so anyway, I'm not here to try to convince anyone um, that, oh, this is real and this is true. Maybe just to have an openness or a willingness to try and explore and see and then make up your own mind. Again, like I said before, luckily the people that come to me, because they're paying me, <laughs> they, they're not really going to be the skeptics. And I'm not, I, honestly, like I don't go around everywhere like, hey, you know what I do? Yeah. And uh, this is why you should try it. I'm yeah. not that person. I, I don't go around, I, even though I love chakras and I love working with energy and hypnosis, uh, I don't often bring it up unless somebody asks me I bet first. I bet you're pretty popular at parties. They're like, hey, this girl's a hypnotist. You guys gather around. It is It is pretty funny like yeah. because it is such a typical American thing that mm-hmm. whenever you meet somebody, the first thing that they ask is, oh, what do you do for a living? And then when I say, oh, I'm a hypnotherapist, yeah. uh, you do get these really weird reactions. <laughs> or I hate networking events. I don't like to go to them. But I had a friend who was starting out her business and mm-hmm. really wanted me to go with And she was another uh, hypnotherapist. And we would go to these networking things. And, yeah, we would sort of be like the life of the party. Like, oh, of course. look at they do. Because yeah. everybody else is doing the same thing, more or less. Mm-hmm. You know, they're insurance salespeople or they're yeah. real estate. Yeah. And then you have these two female hypnotherapists. Yeah, like that Dr. You know? Her over there, I'm telling you, <laughs> do it. It's worth it. <laughs> um, so everybody likes to ask their crazy questions and so forth. And then, of course, like, oh, can you, well, are you hypnotizing me right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll um, never know. I'm not going to tell you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't want, just like anybody else who's at a party, you don't want to be put on the spot to do your thing right there. And it's not generally a good environment that's conducive to doing the work that I do. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the common thing is, are you hypnotizing me right now? The annoying thing in a dating situation is, oh, you put a spell on me and now I'm in love. You're like, oh. um, which I kind of find insulting. Like, oh, so you're saying that I have to <laughs> yeah, that I is, have to hypnotize you to be interested in me? That is a bit of an insult. <laughs> right? You're right. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, funny. Those kinds of things. I, You know, once in, luckily it's been a while, but I, once in a while you get the sort of prank caller. Kind mm-hmm. of, or sometimes you don't know if they're prank callers because they'll call and they'll say, oh, do you do you hypnotize people for this issue? Yeah. And it'll be something really... Erectile dysfunction or something like that? Well, or... I mean, that's a valid... No, they'll say some really... They'll tell me some really gross, disgusting story, ah, you know, yeah. something like that. Just to see a if lot... they can get you to hang up or not. Yeah, if they can get a reaction from me. And yeah. so, or sometimes, I don't know, maybe... Maybe, maybe, maybe what they're really s- reaching out. Yeah, yeah, you know, you don't know. <laughs> so I basically, but but I don't really want. You know, some people think that hypnosis is like this virtual reality, like I said, mm-hmm. uh, where they're just going to. I'm going to guide them, and they're going to be able to experience whatever their sexual fantasy is or something. Sure, that's yeah. not how I want to work. I want to help people yeah. uh, in a therapeutic way, and so um, yeah, those kinds of calls every once in a while but I I, yeah. I learned just not to answer the 
no caller ID. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good rule of thumb. <laughs> Blocked <laughs> those things. I don't answer them. And that pretty much, you know, if they're not willing to show their phone number, sure. then they're usually yeah. not willing to uh, toy around on the on the phone. That's funny. Um, yeah, I've also, I've heard the placebo effect for the, well, this is also third party information. So take it with a grain of salt, but doctors will prescribe, uh, a, like a fake, um, really boner pill. (laughs) I didn't know that's where you're going with that. (laughs) Um, just, and then like to see if like, like take this. (laughs) Oh, third party. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See if this works. And then if not, then they will like prescribe the, the real thing. I, I don't know. Anyways, again, this is just third-party information. I've heard that they'll, like, they'll give you a fake prescription of, um, you know, <laughs> boner pills before they give you the real one. I don't know if that's true or not. Anyways, um, in light of uh, my shitty podcast, we always end with uh, a poop story. <laughs> and Diana, do you, do you have a... Do you have a poop? So you started giggling as soon as I started saying that. Bathroom humor is not quite my thing. Um, I understand. Yeah. But uh, let's see. Maybe. So I I decided to foster this dog Ooh, yeah. on a whim. Uh-huh. Um, his name was Jefferson. Oh, it was my a, first time fostering. That's a good dog and, name. Um, yeah, he's super cute. Uh, this is a couple years ago. And, um, you know, he had to get adjusted to the new environment. I had just adopted him. Sure. And um, I had gone out, bef- maybe a few days before that, I had gone out to a party and I ran into this guy uh, that I'd met months before and then I'd never seen again. And then I ran into him at this party and he got my number and then he called and asked me out. Mm-hmm. And it just happened. I just got Jefferson. And so I didn't really want to leave Jefferson alone because he's just getting adjusted right. in, in the environment. and um, But the guy was like, oh, well, you know, you guys can come over. You can come over. We'll watch some Netflix. Bring <laughs> Whatever. Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. And bring Jefferson. Uh, I love dogs. Okay. Um, which, you know, it's kind of a weird first date. But I thought, oh, that's nice. That's yeah. very nice of him. Yeah. And so I show up. And, and Jefferson's been really, really good. And he's very sweet. And I open the door, and then, you know, and the guy's kind of crouching down, like, hey, Jefferson, really sweet. Yeah. Jefferson runs right past him, goes right into his living room, and just leaves a big, smelly <laughs> pile of poop. Great first impression. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I was so embarrassed. Yeah. Um, but the guy responded really nicely, you know? That's good. He was That's really gracious. Sign. Yeah, actually, it was. I thought, I almost thought, like, oh, this is a real, you know, versus vice versa. I was thinking, like, oh, what does he think about me? But then I thought, this is a really good test yes. uh, for how he responds. Yeah. <laughs> he responded really well and sort of, you know, passed this test that I didn't mean to put on him. Sure. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, he's a good guy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Really good. <laughs> Uh, well, that's it for us. Um, thank you so much, Diana, for coming on. That was that was amazing, very insightful. And play us out, Shitty Ukulele. Ah, easy peasy. <laughs>